G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. We've all kind of realized like you don't need to own stuff to be kind of happy. We've actually learned that maybe owning a bunch of stuff makes you less happy. Um, and that if you kind of let technology or a system allow us to all share something that none of us own, you know, it, it's less of a hassle to maintain it. Um, there's all these different benefits from the sharing economy. Right. Uh, it's taken longer than I think most thought for housing to get there. But we're mm -hmm. seeing it not just in co-living, we see it in, with companies like Zeus Living where you can, or uh, Landing, where you can just live in a, you know, a specific uh, place that's furnished for one month and then just go to another place. But it, housing is becoming, they're, they're allowing people to kind of cut it into little pieces uh, more often, which is very, very cool and allows, if you're someone that likes to not be stuck in one place, uh, it's pretty amazing. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. But you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today, 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Johnny Wolf. Now, Johnny is the CEO and founder of Homeroom Co-Living, one of the fastest growing co-living companies here in the United States. And now after starting his career as a financial analyst in Silicon Valley, Johnny relocated to Austin, Texas to pursue his real estate investing full-time. Now, his love for real estate investing and living with roommates motivated him to start Homeroom in 2017. And now, powered by investors' funds, Homeroom has recently expanded to Dallas and the Austin market. Johnny still lives in actually one of the first ever homerooms, co-living houses in Kansas City, and he enjoys hanging out with and surviving the pandemic with his awesome roommates, particularly on Chicken Wing Thursday. Johnny, I'm really pumped and excited to have you on the show today. So how are you doing today, mate? Oh, Reed, I'm doing really good. So happy to be here. Mate, thank you so much. Yeah. But uh, I want to put a bit of an intro, awesome introduction there. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. Where, where, where are you actually calling in from right now? Uh, Kansas City. You are in yep. Kansas City. Okay, got yep. it, got it, got it. Got it. Yep, yep. Well, I asked the question for all my guests when they come on the show and, and rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. I uh, had a lemonade stand uh, when I was, I think, eight through 10. Every summer we had a lemon tree in the backyard. I'd make my own lemonade, you know, from scratch. And first year, you know, I made like $30 over the course of the summer. Uh, by the third year, I was like going to the store, buying a lot of lemonade and I'd hired my sisters for like 10 cents an hour. And so I was actually working. I was actually inside. I lived in Sacramento and it was hundred degrees outside. And I was, so I was inside, but I was, the lemonade stand was still working. So uh, I was already outsourcing, I guess, very affordable hourly labor, um, you know, as a 10 year old. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and and walk me through your your upbringing. I mentioned earlier in the introduction that you uh, were an analyst in Silicon Valley. And mm-hmm. so were you always involved in real estate or was that analytical job in another field? It was in a different field. Yeah. I, I graduated from uh, you know college in 2007 and spent 10 years in the Silicon Valley as an analyst uh, working at startups and tech companies. Uh, but I also on the side, kind of my side hustle was working in real estate or buying real estate out of state. So I bought, you know, property in 2008 in Texas, bought a couple more um, over, you know, while I was an analyst. Got it. And and you and I mentioned earlier that you actually moved to Austin, Texas. When do you, when do you end up moving there? Yeah. In 2015, I was living in the heart of San Francisco. I was a VP at a bank on like the very top floor. Uh, and I was like, the amount of money I was making was seemed like a lot, but the prices for real estate in San Francisco are so exorbitant. I just didn't think I could have the life that I wanted. So I did some analysis on the United States and thought Austin's going to be the number one market for real estate appreciation over the next five years. Uh, moved there and then just started to buy and house hack like property after property. Um, yeah. Did you leave your day job when you moved to Austin? I, I did. I was still working kind of uh, on the side for a startup, but I was really focused on real estate. Right. And obviously Austin is just completely transitioned into its own Silicon Prairie, right? That's the new, the new word. I'm actually heavily involved, uh, invested in Austin as well. I'm actually going to be there next week. Uh, so, but tell me about this whole evolution of co-living because some people listening out there, they might not even know what the word co-living means. So do you want to break it down for those people who have never heard the term? Sure. It's, you know, it's like kind of a, it's an evolution of, you know, the boarding house in, in a lot of ways. You take kind of Silicon Valley technology and ease, uh, you layer it on top of a property and then people rent out individual bedrooms and the common areas are typically furnished. So it's kind of a fusion between a short-term rental and like a standard rental and kind of combining those with a roommate kind of environment. So you get, you know, you save 30% on rent with co-living as a tenant. And, uh, you know, investors can make up to 70% more run. So it, it maximizes the dollars per square feet 
Uh, so it's a really cool uh, offering for both sides. So it's nearly like Airbnb, but more rental orientated, right? Long yeah, really. Re- re- the Airbnb section is the amenities. Usually a co-living house comes with furnished common areas. It comes with, you know, kitchen essentials. So you can move in on day one. You can watch TV. You can, you know, eat. You don't have to bring anything except for your bed. Got it. I got it. Yeah. And what, where did the, the history of co-living come from? Because, you know, what I think of my days backpacking around the globe, I, I swear, sure. it, it sounds like hostels, right? Like you, you got yeah. a common area, you got a, everyone's cooking together. No <laughs> one's cleaning up that pan. You know, it sounds like who, who would want to live in this co-living space and how's it become sexy all of a sudden? Yeah. I mean, I, the way I look at a co-living is it sort of emerged as kind of the sharing as a piece of the sharing economy that really started with Craigslist in like the early two thousands. Um, and we see, you know, I don't know if you've seen the diagram where it shows like, how this whole part of Craigslist, each one of their sections was replaced by an app slowly but surely. Mm. Um, and so the roommate section is what co-living has become because people have been looking for roommates on Craigslist since, you know, since I was in college. So we've done the, we've done the math on this and there's about 500 billion in rent being paid by roommates today. So it's a massive market that's sort of still Craigslisty, still Facebook marketplace is where people are finding their roommates most of the time. Uh, co-living is basically saying, hey, what if we just kind of make this just a little bit nicer instead of couch surfing, let's do Airbnb, right? Let's have an app, let's make it safer. Uh, let's raise the standards on what the, you know, the, the experience is like. And that's that's why it's, I think it's taking off because underneath what co-living is today is like a decade and a half of people looking to live with roommates. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I actually remember back in the day when I moved from Australia to London, yeah. I was on, I think it was called findmyroommate.com. It was an yeah. old website. <laughs> I, don't, I yeah. think it was findmyroommate.com. I think it was, yeah. that was it. And it was just, you create a profile very early. This was 2008, 2009. Sure. And yeah, I, I, I was hundred pounds a week uh, in a small bedroom that was fully furnished for me, but I would be forced to live with whoever was in that house. Obviously you Correct. go around and you, 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 you try to get a bit of a feel for the person who, like, who else is in the house? Are there any creeps? Are any weirdos? Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah you, know, you try to ask questions, but you don't, you also don't want to come off like too inquisitive because then they maybe they wouldn't like you. Yeah, right. it's really hard. And I think, you know, that's what one of the things that Colabin is doing way better, right? So we have a machine lear- learning kind of algorithm that actually looks at these different degrees of compatibility, making sure that the house gets along, making sure the people that are in the house, the new person coming in, it will fit. Um, that that can be done a lot better by someone with a lot of data and thought versus like you on Craigslist, just kind of like hoping for the best. Right. And, and talk to me a little bit about how they're capturing that type of data, because that's probably really important to mm-hmm. having a harmonious relationship. Because I remember living with roommates. We all live with roommates mm-hmm. at one stage. And there's sure. a, as I mentioned before, someone doesn't clean up the bloody pan. You know, it's it's, it's everyone's <laughs> waiting for the, the the someone to crack to, to take out the to garbage. Clean the pan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so how, how do you use technology to bring it into that element of real estate investing? Yeah, I mean that that's a great question. And you know, to say that we have that down to a perfect science would be a bit of an exaggeration. There's still pan problems in every roommate situation. <laughs> uh, we have a few checks and balances though, right? So we have our maids are in there once a month. It's part of the package that all roommates pay for. And so that the house gets a deep clean once a month. And then the maids will actually kind of rate the room, the house for cleanliness. And so if you pass below a certain threshold that's agreed upon in our kind of member agreement, 
then you actually get dinged and we'll charge you for another maid visit. So there's accountability from us. There's also kind of different ways for the roommates to kind of talk to us about issues, right? And give us feedback. If we hear that the house is too dirty, we can, we'll kind of engage. We have kind of a playbook to do that. So we generally stay hands off and let the house define its own culture. But if we find that the culture is twisted and like the pan is just there every time, then we're going to kind of figure out what's going on and kind of uh, when people are on board, we also talk about giving just a little bit more than you take. That means if you see the pan, clean it, right? You, if you, if you don't know who's doing trash, do it. And so that's something we try to, in, you know, ingrain in people. You can't have a huge, uh, a perfect hit rate. You can't change people's like nature, but it is something that's super valuable that community and giving and serving uh, at home. And talk about the type of demographic who's renting in this type of space, because I think that will help define for listeners. Is this just for young people coming out of there, you know, out of college? They've already lived with roommates for a couple of years. This is sort of a step towards independent living in, in their own one bedroom apartment uh, at some point in the future. Yeah, we, we actually have um, people in their 50s renting with homeroom, hmm. but the average age is 27. Uh, the average, you know, the average person is a kind of a white collar working professional, uh, but they're all over the, the board, right? There's, there's people that emerge from, you know, relationships that ended. There's people that emerge from, uh, you know, career changes or other things in life where it's like, Hey, I need a place that's flexible. It's a little cheaper. Um, I don't want to furnish, get a new house. I don't want to buy. So co-living is works for a lot of people in kind of the life stages where they're still kind of deciding on a path. Mm. And I know within code, I mean, I've actually got some experience with it. One of my old positions was uh, working as a, for real estate developer here in Los Angeles and mm. in neighborhoods where affordability is really hard, like Santa Monica and Venice mm. and Manhattan and San Francisco, as you mentioned earlier, co-living is starting to creep back in because on, from a development point of view, you can get a lot more efficiency with building four bedrooms in one kitchen rather than doing four one bedrooms, one kitchen apartments, right? Yes. And, and so talk to me about where that spurred from, because that is definitely a big element of, you, you know, everything about the cost sharing or the, the, the co-sharing environment, the tech environment that we're in today has mm-hmm. come from a need of wanting to be more efficient with the cost of living, right? Whether it be Uber or whether it be, you know, um, DoorDash or whether it be, you know, Amazon delivering your groceries for you. I think mm-hmm. this is the, 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 the rental portion of it, correct? What I think we've all kind of realized is like you don't need to own stuff to be kind of happy. We've actually learned that maybe owning a bunch of stuff makes you less happy. Um, and that if you kind of let technology or a system allow us to all share something that none of us own, it, you know, it, it's less of a hassle to maintain it. Um, there's all these different benefits from the sharing economy. Right. Uh, it's taken longer than I think most thought for housing to get there. We're seeing it not just in co-living, we see it in, with companies like Zeus Living where you can, or uh, Landing, where you can just live in a, you know, a specific uh, place that's furnished for one month and then just go to another place. But it, housing is becoming, they're, they're allowing people to kind of cut it into little pieces uh, more often, which is very, very cool and allows, if you're someone that likes to not be stuck in one place, uh, it's pretty amazing. And, and you mentioned Zeus Living just there, because I've always thought of the co-living being the uh you know the, the single white collar work from anywhere particularly with covid i want to live in paris for a month i want to live in bali for a month i want to live in new york for a month it, there's that level of it right and, and we can talk about that where does your business fall on that spectrum yeah i mean we're we're i think we're we're, we're in that we 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 
the membership agreement minimum is three months at home room. Okay. But you can hit a button in our app and transfer from one room to another room. So you can move from, and that gets more powerful as the network effect grows, as more and more cities get added to our, we're adding our fifth and sixth city this year. Um, so you can, we've had people go from Kansas city to Austin, which I highly recommend. It's a great, Austin's very awesome. Um, we've had people move, you know, and so the goal is that we're going to be in 750 cities, uh, you know, in the next five years, and then you can pick up and move anywhere. Let's say you have an out-of-state relationship, your job allows you to be fully remote, move to, move to Des Moines, you know, move to San Francisco. Um, so that's, I think that's the magic of co-living. That's the magic of the sharing economy now touching real estate um, where you can maybe hit a button and then add furniture to that room. So you don't have to furnish it. So it, it allows, you know, I think as humans, we like to stay put, but when we move, it refreshes the mind and you make new connections. And I think it re-energizes us. Um, it doesn't feel safe, but it kind of throws us into a kind of this new space in which we can kind of achieve way more. Um, and so that's what this new style of living is gonna, I think, help uh, people have on a more consistent basis than just going on a random vacation once a year. Yeah, it's interesting. My dad used to always say to me, a change is as good as a holiday. So when you're changing your environment, you're, you you feel in, you know energized, invigorated to do more, to, to explore more, to see your local surroundings. So really awesome. Now let's break it down into the business part of it, like the numbers mm-hmm. side of it. I'm I really like that. Uh, yeah, like, no, yeah. he's good. I'll, I'll, I'll give him the credit for that. Um, you, you can have it on a wall somewhere. Change as good as a holiday. <laughs> um, anyway, we can trademark it to Lee Goosens. Uh, but it, let's man. let's talk about the numbers of it. Like, how are you going out? What's the size of the property you're trying to either you're buying or you're doing a, a master lease? And I, it sounds like it's a little bit like the WeWorking spaces, the co-working spaces where mm. a company comes in and takes over a floor and splits it up into its little cubicles and you just rent one of those little cubicles is that kind of the same idea as or you actually owning the property as well? we don't we don't own the property okay so the way that homer works and and we're we're the we're kind of unique in this way is that investors can come to us and maybe they're a real estate investor maybe they never have but they have you know seventy five thousand dollars, and they say i want to invest in a property and we'll say hey we actually have data science to help us find a perfect property for co-living but also a great real estate investment property. And we have a kind of concierge approach where we will help them find the property and co-living properties have to be unique. They can't just be any property. Um, And then we'll help them buy the property and we'll help them retrofit it for co-living. And then we will actually take over full management, including operations, maintenance. We'll get the tenants inside of it. So it's, we actually will make a percentage kind of like Airbnb more than we work. So we don't, we don't hold master leases. We don't have kind of that risk of, having to pay if something happens. Uh, we did make it through the pandemic uh, uninjured. You know, we had full occupancy, so uh, it wouldn't have really mattered for us either way. But it's kind of, you know, during the pandemic, I think we saw the, the difference between office space and, you know, residential space. So it, it was it was a lot better for us than for those guys. But yeah, we, we partner with investors to create this. We don't kind of come in and master lease and take all the risk. Got it. Got it. Partner yeah. with investors. Interesting. So you're doing single family homes with exclusively four, four bedrooms, two baths, sort of. Okay. Got it. Okay. Correct. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Because I'm more thinking of like brand new build downtown Santa yeah. Monica, 20, you know, you're building for spec to a co living area. It's more of that. Okay. The, the owner is also then maybe hiring. It sounds like you'll probably get there because I do know that there are other co living managers out there and, and, of and, course. Offering that sort of 
globe-trotting lifestyle that I spoke about earlier, Bali, the Paris, the New Yorks of sure. the world. But I think you're 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 got a very interesting model that you partner with the the investor. So are you helping them with the investor any type of data in terms of hey hey Johnny I've got this deal in you know Des Moines Iowa you mentioned that earlier and it's 50 you know 100,000 bucks are you backing into data to say we can support a co-living space here or no because of the area or because of the, yeah. the, the area in the MSA, you, it just doesn't kind of work. It has to be in certain geographical locations. Yeah, we're only today, we're in a lot of kind of marketplaces, which Homeroom is, we're kind of on both sides and kind of in the middle managing it, is usually focused on geogra- geography by geography. You don't just kind of open up the, the whole, we have, we have people reach out to us multiple times a week saying, hey, can you add my house to your co-living platform? We're like, we're not in Pittsburgh. We're not in San Francisco. So today we're in um, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, and Kansas City. So if someone runs, if someone wants to buy a property there or has a property there, we're happy to take a look, mm. and we can help them do the numbers. We can tell them this is how much you should expect in rent. This is how much you have to, you know, invest in the property to kind of make it co-living ready. Um, yeah, and we're usually quite accurate with those numbers. Our occupancy is really high. Uh, our team is really good at finding tenants, and we have a. You know, data scientists on staff. We have a really um, great tech team that helps with that as well. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business, or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to readgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you will automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to readgoosens.com and sign up today. Now, back into the show. And so within those markets, are you also then looking to be in that path of progress or doesn't necessarily matter uh, where it is? Like, because obviously you wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of the tracks. I'm, I'm just, you know, you, you, oh, hey, I've, yeah. got, I've got a great, I've got this deal in San Antonio because I know San Antonio really well, but it might be a bit of a, you know, an area that you might not attract your co-living tenants that you want, who, who get it, you know? So yeah. Yeah, surely that has to play uh, a part yeah. in yeah, we have a data framework that basically creates a heat map for us where we will do a house where we won't do a house. Sure, sure. So we were um, generally in, you know, nice areas of town. There's Kansas City is probably the market I'm the most familiar with, um, where it's just like we do not, you know, east of here, we don't we don't take houses at all because uh, the murder rate is 100 out of 100. <laughs> um, so it's just like when you hear, hear gunshots, you know, five times a week, it's too many for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're generally in like we're in every nice area. Uh, we're in some in the middle areas and we're in, we're not in areas that are, I guess what I would consider like dangerous. Yep. That makes sense. And then from a, you know, vetting point of view, we, you know, you're really acting like a management company, right? I've got obviously yeah. a company who goes and looks at income verification and, you know, your job references and all that sort of stuff. So how are you going on that side of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, also with the tech. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, this is where the tech kind of helps. Right. So I think, a lot of um, property managers, they do, they get too much information because the tech's not supporting it. Right. And I think you just, you, if you ever fill out a rental application, you're like, why is this like seven pages? Um, so for us, we understand a few key things. We have, we, we use TransUnion Smart Move to do the background credit and eviction history. So that's crucial. Um, but we actually look at that and we look at career and those are kind of, that's kind of it. We don't, we don't care about income. We don't care about prior landlord experiences, anything. And in the history of our company, we've had over 500 roommate tenants. 
and we've never had a full deposit used up for damages ever. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, part of it's because I think we're good at screening, but the other part is with co-living, you can't screw up the house because your roommates are there and they live there and they're not going to be super happy and they're kind of your friends. Mm. So there's a natural accountability. So it sounds, I think people's in, intuitive thought is, hey, if we don't, if we're going to have like five young people, they're just going to trash the house. Well, we, we grade the house for cleanliness monthly, so they can't. And if we find that they jacked it up, they'll have to pay for that. But if one person's like miffed at us or miffed at anything, the only thing they can damage is their room. And it's really difficult to damage a room to the tune of $500, unless you just, you know, burn it down or something. That's never happened to us because, you know, the quality of the tenant's really high. Uh, we hold firm on that. And then natural accountability between the on-site visits and um, their roommates. And walk me through what's a, what's a average room costing you? And then what's the owner of, what's the investor getting? And then what are you guys taking? You know, so what's the Delta? And then you can, you can talk in percentages if you want. I don't have to give me my, all your business. Oh, no, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> no, no problem. And so we, it really depends on the city, right? So each city is different. Austin, the price point goes up to 550. Um, a room per month. Oh, sorry. I was talking about the price of a property. Let's just the yeah, the average uh, price of a room in Kansas City is four forty, give okay. or take. Austin would be six fifty, give or take. Um, and then the range is between there for Dallas and San Antonio. Got it. Got it. And then are you as a, as a, an owner, you obviously are you taking a delta between that or just charging a management fee on top of that? Uh, we make 15% of all collected rents. Got it. 15%. That's right. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And then expenses and that sort of stuff, I assume we're all in the tenants, um, you know, water, electricity, gas, um, you know, obviously a bit of, turn, obviously the real estate taxes and insurance would be on on the owner, but but the, the sort of the rub. Yeah, there's, of- yeah there's, not, there's none of that stuff's paid for by the owner. It's all paid for by the tenants. Got it. Awesome. And the, and the tenants actually pay for the maid service and the yard care. Awesome. So that kind of, so it's done professionally. So. Cool. And 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 where do you see the business growing to right now? Obviously, you mentioned you have 500 uh, roommate tenants. Where are they? Where, where do you want the business to grow to in the next five to ten years? Um, ten years definitely want to be global. Uh, in the next five years, I'd like to be in a majority of the cities in the United States. Um, yeah, I just think I think the amount of tenant demand for this type of living in places that people can't imagine. The co-living developments are focused on these super expensive areas, and we that, mm-hmm. that's great. And we think Santa Monica, San Francisco, um, I understand the unit economics of that, and it makes a lot of sense. Single-family homes are modular and smaller, and they can actually, to convert, it's not very much money. So you can actually increase your rent as an investor 50 to 100% by converting a home to a co-living home. And that can be in Kansas City. That can be in like Olathe, Kansas. We have like all these little suburbs that we, there's a lot of tenant demand for this kind of living. So we'd like to be everywhere. I think we're the first company that thinks that this approach will work in Des Moines, right? We're the first mm-hmm. ones that, that approach Kansas City and Olathe and Shawnee, all these little Kansas, uh, Kansas cities that no one would have thought co-living was needed. It's actually very needed. The demand is very high. So our goal is to be nationwide everywhere, you know, kind of like Airbnb, you open your app, you see the map, you go somewhere, you can live with us. Got it. Got it. And and yeah. how is it been a bit of a education for the renter in how to, you know, how they're coming into this situation, given that we, you know, even my situation in the back in the day when I was going on Craigslist and roommate.com or my roommate.com, how is that education piece being on the, on the, call it the consumer side? We, we do tech space lease communication with them early and we, we make sure that they match our criteria. And then we will do a, a call with them, a video call ourselves. 
Um, if they pass that, they go through the TransUnion kind of credits and background check. And then the, the final step after that's approved is they actually will meet the roommates via video call. So it's all kind of the whole thing is making sure that every box is checked and that they're going to be a good fit. Um, one of the we're able to do this because we have Matterports of all properties. And so a lot of our about 80 to 90 percent of our tenants never see the property in person hmm. before they actually will sign a lease and pay the deposit. The first time they've seen the property is when they move in. And I think that approach is super common with hotels. It's super common with Airbnbs. I think it's going to become way more common with with um with with standard you know real estate and so we are uh, you know kind of on the front lines of doing that a lot of our leasing team is international as well so mm -hmm. we we do fully remote leasing no in-person tours uh and let and when they do want to see it in person then a roommate that lives there would give that to them do you ever think you're going to lose that interview piece with the other roommates because i'm just thinking like obviously when airbnb first came around everyone was like oh gosh you know um, I'm, what if you trash the place, but now you got, you know, I've, as, a, as an Airbnb user, I've got a rating, you know, so does the owner. And yes. so it's quickly very, I'm assuming you're trying to get to that spot where you've got you, yeah. you, you, mass adoption so you can use the community to rate themselves and then, you know, police themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. That, that is 100%. And we're, we're trying to, you know, that's one of the things that we're looking at very closely. I think one of the challenges is like, it's okay to be get a user rating if you're like in an Uber for 20 minutes. It's okay mm -hmm. to get a user rating if you're an Airbnb for a weekend. But do you want to live in an environment where everyone's rating you constantly? Um, that's one of the kind of the debates we have at Homeroom. Like, and the answer is I don't know that people would like that. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I wouldn't. Um, so, but figuring out a way to make it accountable. And I think what we're going to do is as someone exits, we give them an up or a down if they can come back. And so that's sort of something we're thinking about. The maid grades in which the house is graded by the maids every time they go there is like the initial start to that, where it's like, hey, there are standards you have to hold to them. Otherwise, you you, you know, kind of your power in the community and your kind of esteem in the community goes down and your ability to get new rooms would go down. So doing that in a way that's not like big brothers watching me, my roommates are always rating me because they just got an argument over the dishes is something that we're still scratching our heads over and working on. Oh, mate, it, so. sounds, it sounds super interesting. I think you're, you're a very... Awesome um, in technology interface and, and and just having the experience of traveling the world and going to rock up to new cities and having to figure out that Craigslist thing is yeah. it's always it's always difficult. So it's kudos Terrible. to you to, to try and be figuring that out because I think <laughs> it, it, it is a powerful way of it's a need. You know, as you said, five, I think you said five billion dollars in, in rent or five hundred. I think five hundred billion. billion. Use it. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. there's a lot of money in in co living in roommates. And just trying to capture a little bit of that, that, that market share is going to be freaking awesome. And, and then hopefully, yeah. you, you know, you can scale it with, you know, in the single family model. I, I definitely envisage you doing something slightly different as, as you grow, but um, I'd sure. love, love to get you back on the show in a couple of years time to see how the business has, has evolved. So, so well yes. done. Thanks, um, man. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, the big thing, what do you, what do you need right now for, from the listeners? Do you, do you need the investors? Do you need the, the people just trying it out? Do you need people just you know, helping you in any way possible? Yeah, I mean, we we love talking to investors, you know, and that's um, definitely we, we actually have a bit of a wait list right now. So today, but the, our goal is to, you know, we the most houses we ever had investors purchase with homeroom was three as of six months ago. And this month we're going to do 17 properties. But the goal is to kind of expand to somewhere near 100 by the end of next year. So we need a lot of investors to be interested and talk to us about this. We think 
when we look at short-term rentals, long-term rentals and co-living, to me, co-living combines the best of both of the other two um, and just a lot less downside. And so I, th- I think it's a killer uh, home run investment that, uh, that I, I own a bunch of them myself. So, uh, and it's gone very well for me. So that would be the, I think the big thing. We'd love to talk to any investors who are looking to purchase in the near future. Love it. Love it, mate. Well, look, at the end of every show, we like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Let's do it, man. I'm ready. Hey, uh, <laughs> question number one, what's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Yeah. Uh, number one thing is get up early, go to the gym. I just go seven days a week, every day, go to the gym. And, um, and then I try to listen to a book on tape while I'm doing that. So those are kind of the, the two things that I do. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Question number yeah. two is who is the most influential person in your career to date? Most influential person is my boss, Liza Lee from electronic arts. She, uh, she was my boss. She got promoted three times in like a tech in the Silicon Valley in like three years while having a baby. So she's, she's a star. Um, but one of the, she taught me about adaptability, creativity while still doing, I was doing finance and uh, it kind of changed the, changed the way I work. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Liza. Uh, question number three is what is the most influential tool in your business? When I say tool, it could be a physical tool, like a phone or a journal, or it could be a piece of software. What is it? Microsoft Excel. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's boring, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my superpower. I can I can use that better than most. So oh, yeah, no, being an Excel junkie, you need to be yeah. You need to have some sort of skills on Excel to get into real estate investing. Just uh, you know, bad news for everyone listening. If you don't like Excel, you've got to get used to some element of Excel. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I do training classes and stuff, um, but uh, at a certain level, like you can. We, we, I started and have run the business for Microsoft Excel for the last three years. So That's it's awesome. been uh, pretty, pretty incredible for us. That's awesome. Yeah. Question number four is in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career? What did you learn from that failure? Ooh. Yeah. So I think you know, when we started, I thought that it would go faster and easier. <laughs> and so <laughs> I brought in, you know, five people. Um, I, emptied my retirement account and sold one of my properties to get it started. And I was like, here we go. And, uh, you know, within six months I had to let go everyone, everyone go and I had to run it by myself. Mm. Um, so I think, I think humility maybe from that, uh, I think learning about what's, you know, what's around the corner is probably less, I think being embracing the having patience for that early grind and really figuring out how to make it work without trying to throw money to accelerate something. Mm-hmm. I think it's great to get investors. We're taking on angel investment right now. We're doing a VC round in the spring, but if you try to add money, money doesn't solve any of your problems. It actually compounds them because you try to solve the problems with money, then the money's gone and now you don't have any solutions. So I think that's the biggest solution you can, or biggest thing that I learned. You can't solve brain problems with money almost mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. I think it's also very, um, a good, a good reflection on startup culture. Like when you're starting yeah. your own business as an entrepreneur, you're, you're, you you got to do everything yourself. You, you are, do everything. you, you are the CFO, you are the investor relations, sure. you, you are the CEO. You got to do the, 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 the crappy stuff that you, you don't like to do. And that helps build, you know, you have a very tight bandwidth then because you're not being overexposed with payroll or office space. And it's not until you get a little bit of runs under your belt, a little bit of money coming in, you can say, okay, Hey, I can go out and outsource, XYZ. So. Yeah. And like when you, when you become a, when you become, when, when you're the team of one, 
you can almost do as much as five for six people because there's no one to talk to. There's no meetings. You can just kind of execute. Right. And so when I went down to a team of one, I actually was, we were more successful almost immediately, Mm. uh, which didn't make a lot of sense, but building a deep proficiency yourself um, before trying to scale the product and the team, especially on your first startup. I think as if, if it's my second startup and I raise $2 million out the gate and I hire super high caliber people, you know, that can work. But if it's your first run, I think d- dig deep and work Lim- hard with, Yeah, with limited funds, with limited funds, you know, learn and try to do it yourself as much as you can. Don't get money. Wear all the hats, wear all the, <laughs> wear all the hats and get and embrace every one of the hats. Cause I think what you'll see is people are like, I don't like that hat. So I'm going to try to get money. So I don't have to do it. Yep. You're not going to have success with that mentality. You have to embrace all the hats. Mm-hmm. If you have the success, then you can get rid of that hat. Finally, and you'll be so happy, but you've got to learn how to do it. Um, when you have nothing. I hundred percent agree. Startup culture, it's entrepreneurship 101. So everyone listening out there, roll mm-hmm. up the sleeves and become a sole entrepreneur until you can have a bit of money under your belt and yes. uh, then go out and outsource. <laughs> exactly. Well, Johnny, final question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Where do they yeah. go? Yeah. So livehomeroom.com is our website. You can reach me personally at johnny at livehomeroom.com. Uh, do my best to you know, respond to everyone same day. Uh, sometimes successful, sometimes not. Uh, but yeah, happy to talk to any investors who have any questions about house hacking themselves or you know, buying a co-living property with homeroom or any, anything in between. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect a little bit of the things that I took away from today's show. I think your intuition with solving a problem that I've personally been in, in a number of cities around the world. I was in London, I was in France. I When I first moved to New York, very similar stuff. And it's it, it has been an area where real estate has been slow to uh, pick it up, you know, technology, pick up technology. And I think with the, 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 with COVID, with people living, you know, working remotely, I think your company is at the, the cutting edge of making it easier for people to have that co-living experience in a way that's not the dirty hostel living like sure. a teenager, you know, all that sort of stuff, which people would right. probably have those PTSD moments about, right? Yeah, we, all, we, all, we all, we all do. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, every time, every time I talk about this with someone, uh, they, they, they flash to that. And then yeah. like, you know, we have made service, like we have interior design, like professional interior designers design the space. And so it, it's an evolution of that, but I mean, the need is you're right. It's everywhere. And it's uh it's one of those big challenges when you go to a new city. And that's what a lot of times people don't go to new places because where do I go? How do I right. find housing? How do I get a roommate? I can't afford my own apartment. Right, exactly. Pushing your boundaries as a change as good as lifestyle. But also like the, the other element of the business is that you're, you're partnering with the investor. And I think if you adjust the technology app, I think you wouldn't, you wouldn't be as successful because you're not bringing in, you need the, the people coming through the door to bring you the product because you're right. trying to be specific with the single family housing, which is very, very key to the whole business. If you just had the one side of it, I don't think it might be as successful without having both sides of it because mm-hmm. you get to sort of have your cake and eat it too, if, if that makes yeah. sense. So, yeah. No, it, you have to, you, the inventory side and making sure that that inventory is just right, it, it makes the community experience with the tenants just right. And then the investor gets a ton of advantages. So it's, um, it's a lot <laughs> to do both sides, but, but it's the only way that the ecosystem can function healthy yes. in a healthy way. Love that. Love the ecosystem, my friend. I'm all about it. Well, look, buddy, enjoy the rest of your week and we will catch up very, very soon. Sounds good, Reed. Thanks, man.
Well, there you have another cracking episode, Jam Pack, with some incredible advice from Johnny. Some really cool stuff he's doing over there with his co-living platform. Remember, go over to Johnny at Live Home Live Home Run. Is that right, Johnny? Room. Live Home Room. Live Home Room dot com. Check mm-hmm. out all he all that he's doing online. It's an incredible space. If you're an investor, you want to get involved with it. You've got some small single family properties that you think maybe this might work in in the Midwest. Give him a call. Give him a, give him an email. So again. Yeah. Thank you all for listening and tuning into the show because we're all about you know increasing your financial IQ on this show. And if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. And we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Hold up. 